I know all of us has adversities and has problems and hindrances, but I'm gonna tell you, somebody here tonight, and it may be me, uh, that this is meant for, because everything that could attack us this weekend has attacked us. Even, even got into our printer. You see, Tammy brought the tablet up here, so I, I didn't, wasn't even able to print it off, so it's on a tablet here. I hope I can, I can uh, go from there. But if you, everybody get a bracelet? Everybody get one? Amen. All right, uh, so that tells us where our text is, John chapter four. So if, again, it's gonna be similar to a Sunday school lesson. And uh, I wanna start reading the first two verses I'll read in verses three and four. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Here we're reading about Jesus. He is traveling. He's leaving Jerusalem. He's going to Galilee. Now, normally, a Jew, any Jew, would detour around Samaria. Amen. You know, Samaria would be a straight shot. It's kind of in the valley. You've got mountains ranges on either side. So, normally, the Jews would not go through Samaria. They, uh, they had a, a racial hatred towards them. They, uh, they just felt like they was unworthy. They felt a dog was more important than uh, a Samaritan. So they avoided them at all costs. So normally what they would do, the Jews would either go to the right and they would start up by not as far down as the Dead Sea, but along the Jordan River. You know, they'd cross that mountain, get down there by the Jordan River, and they'd go north. And then have to cut back across to get into Galilee. If they didn't do that, they would go left. And they would cross the mountain there. And they'd go all the way over to the Mediterranean Sea. And then they'd go up the coast of the sea by Caesarea by the sea. Uh, the modern day city of Tel Aviv is in that area. And go up that way and get into uh, Galilee that way. So that told you how important, how, how much racial prejudice it was even 2,000 years ago. We think we live in a city or a place or a county or a state or a country with racial prejudice. It's been going on a long time. So, you know, that kind of just tells us about the first two verses, five and six. Now we'll look at that. <clears throat> then cometh he into a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the partial ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore, being weary with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Alright? Jesus made him to the sea. I want to touch on verse 4 again. It says, He must needs to go there. They was the reason Jesus says, I'm going through Samaria. Amen. I'm not going this way. I'm not going that way. I'm going through Samaria. He must needs to go there. All right. When he got there, it says he set up on the well. Now, during, during this time, Jesus had walked up there. He's tired. He's probably hungry. He's probably hot because of the travel. You're traveling in the desert. You're traveling by feet. You're not traveling in an air-conditioned car. 
You know, the disciples were there with him. So when he got to the well, it says he set out. And it says it's about the sixth hour. Now, if you look at the Hebrew clock, that tells us it's going to be about, about noon. But if this scripture was written with the Roman background, that would throw it somewhere around a five or six o'clock hour. Alright, the point I want to make here is it doesn't matter if it's noon or the five o'clock or six o'clock hour. The point is most of the women of Samaria would go to the well early in the morning to draw their water. It was cooler in the morning. They wouldn't wait till noon. They wouldn't wait till the afternoon. They would do it early in the morning to draw the water while it was cool. So we're seeing now that Jesus went to that well and sat upon it. Now we know what time, time frame it was. Uh, let's go on into the next couple verses. Seven and eight. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me drink. Give me to drink. For his disciples were going away unto the sea to buy meat. Alright, again. Jesus sat down on the well. Disciples come along with him. They were tired and hungry and hot, just like Jesus was. They said, sit down here, Jesus, at the well. We're going to go in the city and we're going to buy some meat. We're going to bring it back and go fix sandwiches or something like that. But it says, there cometh a woman <clears throat> to draw. And what did Jesus ask her? Give me to drink. Now, what are we seeing here? I just mentioned that the women don't come to the well during this time. Right. So why is she there now? So now we see Jesus is alone, his disciples was gone, a woman cometh to draw water. Well, why is she here now? Well, there's a reason she is coming. The reason she's coming to draw water. This woman has a social problem. Amen. This woman was an outcast. This woman wasn't very loved in the community. She wasn't thought of very highly in the community. So to save embarrassment, to save listening to that chatter, listening to the gossip, Amen. she understood that the women would come in the mornings. Imagine what kind of life that was that you have to step around everybody just to keep from being embarrassed. Come on, to keep, keep from... Uh, you know, drawing attention to yourself. So that's why she was there. When the others weren't there, that's when she would go. And he says, give me to drink. And we, nine and 10, we'll read them now. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou, being a Jew, askest a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews, have no dealings with the Samaritans. She knew that. How did she know it? She was raised. She seen the racial prejudice, the social prejudice her whole life. She said, hey, how is it you, a Jew, asked this mate to eat a drink? You know that the Jews wouldn't even stand on the same side of the street as the Samaritan. They would cross over to avoid them. And as I mentioned, they, the Jews actually thought a dog had more importance than a Samaritan. So, you know, she asked me, so how is it that a Jew asked a Samaritan for a drink? You know, he didn't have a bucket. He didn't have nothing to draw with. So he was going to have to drink out of her stuff too, right? So even further so, how's a Jew going to even drink after a Samaritan? Can you imagine this? 
So what's going on in her mind? <clears throat> Let's read verse 10. It says, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest. I like that three little words. Has anybody that's ever loved you like your mother, your father, somebody that really genuinely cares about you ever come up to, oh, if you only knew. If you only knew how much I love you, how much my, I want good things for you, if how much this, how much that. Can you imagine a conversation with Jesus tonight? What would he start with? If thou knewest, my son, Amen. if thou knewest what my plans are for your life, Amen. you know, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Verse 11. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. The well is deep. From which then hast thou that living water? She looks at him and says, hey, you, you come up here, you ain't got nothing, you ain't got a rope, you ain't got a bucket, you ain't got a satchel. Most times it was a leather satchel at that time. And they would draw it down. She said, you ain't got nothing. So from which are you going to get water? Let's read verse 12. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? You know, that's self-explanatory. She just asked him, hey, are you greater than our father Jacob? Our, you know, our, our legacy, our patriarch, our, our, you know, founding fathers. Are you greater than him? Verse 13 and 14 says, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoso drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up in every lasting life. Jesus said, whoever drinks this water will never thirst again. He says it's going to be springing up. It's not going to be dead. It's not going to be like that dead city. So if we got that living water inside of us, we shouldn't just contain it and hold it in place and keep it dead and stagnant. Because what happens to still water? It gets polluted. It gets stagnant, right? It's going to be springing up. It's going to be bubbling out of you. It's not going to be something that we can contain. <clears throat> Verse 16 and 18 through 18. Jesus said unto her, you know, she just asked, give me this water. So Jesus said unto her, go call thy husband and come hither. This is where everybody knows the story of the Samaritan woman. Alright? There's a lot more to that Samaritan woman than most people will ever know. Uh, I will, I'll challenge you tonight. She was very instrumental in missionary work later on in life. Uh, I won't go into too much detail because I'm going to give you a homework. Don't think about this right here. When after the story ends, they're going to change her name to Fotina. P-H-O-T-I-N-A. I want somebody to research that and tell me a little bit about Miss Fotina and what happens in her life and how instrumental meeting Jesus at that well impacted the rest of her life. She had five sisters. She had two sons. There's a lot of things going on in her life after that. That wasn't on the notes. 
But there it is. The, uh, but Jesus said, Go call your husband. Verse 17 says, The woman answered and said, I have no well husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. You know what Jesus said unto her? She said, Go call your husband. And then she said, I don't have a husband. And he said, You're right. Samaritan woman, you don't have a husband. You have five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. So, you know, uh, she, he said that in 18. For thou hast had five husbands, and whom that thou hast with now is not thy husband, in that saith thou truly. He said, you're right. You did not lie. You didn't tell no story. You're right. You don't have no whole husband. Boy, that just kind of took her by surprise right then and there. In verse 19, we see that. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Ooh, she backed up a little bit right then and there. You know, it's one no ordinary guy that just comes up and sits down on the well. She said, hey, sir, I perceive, I perceive thou art a prophet. There's no, no blowing smoke on this guy. This guy just come into town. He sat down at the well, and he's telling me my family history. There's something a little bit special about this guy right here. Okay? I perceive that thou art a prophet. Verses 20 through 24, we'll read these verses. Our fathers worship in the mountain, and ye say that Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh that now when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amen. How did she respond after that? She done backpedaled. She done said, hey, this guy, is something to him different about him. I can't blow no smoke on him. So first thing she wants to do, she said, hey, I'll, I'll tell him how religious I am. So she's, you know, that's what she said right there. She, she now gets spiritual, and the only spirit she knows is organized religion. Come on. She knows ritual. Amen. She don't know about a relationship. Amen. We can fall into the same routine. We can fall into the same ritual. We can come in here because on Sunday morning at 9.45 because that's what we're supposed to do. We can stay for church because that's what we was raised and supposed to do. We can come here on Wednesday night and do the same thing because that's what we're supposed to do. It's more of a ritual than a relationship. Amen. So that's where this Samaritan woman was right here. And if you'll, the other verses talks a little about, you know, the Jerusalem going few Sundays ago, I taught Sunday school with Brother Terry, and it was over in Exodus, and you remember the story was when they give them the rules of the prophets and all that, and one of the rules was that the Jews had to worship in Jerusalem. Y'all remember that story? Yeah. Well, the Samaritans didn't do that. They, they, she knew about the organized religion. She knew about the rituals. She knew about Passover. She knew about Pentecost. She knew about Mount Gerizim going up there and worshiping. But the Jews, now they went to Jerusalem in the temple. Jesus just said right here, hey, they're coming to an hour. Now, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. It's not going to have to be at Jerusalem in the temple anymore. It's just going to be in spirit and in truth. <clears throat> now let's take a few minutes and look at what happened in that woman's life. 
Now we, we just, you know, read, I don't know, 24 verses, maybe one, 21 verses on this woman right here. Alright? I want to take just a few minutes and look at this. First, let's look at the elements and the factors that was all included in this story. I told you it's going to be like Sunday school lessons, so it's not too bad. Alright, so first, she discovers there is hope, okay? Amen. There is hope. The girls, I love that song. I love that song. Raise a hallelujah. Amen. I love that for the Lord that's in that song, Hope. That has always been my favorite word right there. Because I have a hope. Amen. It's not an emotion. I have a hope. Paul said, without hope, all men are most miserable. Amen. We've got another day coming, another life, that we're not going to have these trials and these tribulations and these problems and everything that's going that Satan can get into. But she discovered that there's hope. That's her life is not over. She probably thought that her life was over. She was just going to grind out to the bitter end. You know, the clothes she was wearing were probably once, you know, beautiful and looked good. Her hair probably had a beautiful shine at one time. And her skin probably just glowed in a luster. But now that was years past. Five husbands passed. So all those things weren't there anymore. She's now an outcast. She's now uh, maybe a target of people, you know, whispering behind her back. So all those things, and Jesus told her, says, you have hope. Now all of a sudden, a man is telling her there is hope. Talking to her, there is hope. The second thing, she discovered that there is help, okay? Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet, she said. Right then and there, she said, hey, this guy can help me. He, he come in here, like I said, he kicked himself up on the well, and he's telling me my family history. This guy got to be able to help me, okay? She finally met somebody bigger than her circumstances, bigger than her problems, someone that can help her. The third thing, she discovered honor. Honor. You said, well, you just told me about this woman, her lifestyle. How can you get honor out of that? If we read on down in some other verses, you'll see where she gets honored. She comes from a sinner to a soul winner. Here is a woman that lived a life of sin. She didn't hide it. She was open about it. The whole community knew about it. But then when she could do it, all of a sudden, Jesus changed that. Jesus changed that. Another thing she discovered, she discovered that the love of God has no racial boundaries. We talked just a minute about racial boundaries a while ago. He doesn't have black or white. He doesn't have... You know, the Jew or the Gentile. He doesn't have an Arab or an American. He sees us all the same. You know what he sees? He sees, he sees us as an individual that one day is going to spend eternity somewhere. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. He, that's the way he sees it. And she, just, she discovered that. This Jew had sat down and was talking to me, and he's not racial towards me. He's not social towards me. That gets us to the next one. She discovered there's no social problem. You know, we live in a society there's social problems everywhere. Amen. If you don't make that six figures, if you don't drive that certain kind of car, if you don't wear that certain kind of clothes, social status. Amen. Social status. In her day, men was not even permitted to talk to women most of the time. You, you definitely wouldn't go to break after them, okay? especially the Jew and the Samaritan. So she discovered that there's no social barriers with this man, with this Jesus, with this God that she is talking to. You know, uh, I 
I said, well, I know about the Jews and the woman who walked on the same side of the street. The next thing she discovered, this is important, she discovered that the provisions of God has no limitations. Did you hear that? The provisions of God have no limitations. He's got it all. He's got it all. God is not limited like humans are. You know that when we get into a problem, and we get in circumstance, when we get overwhelmed with the circumstances of life, we say there's no way I can fix this. There's nothing more I can do. You know what we do? We start confessing our limitations. Come on. We start confessing our limitations. There's no way out. I've messed up so much. There's no way out of this right here. There's no way out. Why is that? Because we're human and we confess our limitations. There's people here that say, I can't teach Sunday school. Actually has made it clear that he would like a, a young adult Sunday school class. Are you saying confessing your limitations? Think about that. You know, don't let Satan fool you in something like that. Amen. Don't confess your limitations. Another thing, the vision of God knows all of our secrets. He knows everything about her. He knew that she would be there when he got there. He must needs go through Samaria. He said that in the second verse we read there. That was the reason that he went there. He knew that Samaritan woman was going to be at the right. right. He knew that she wanted to hear, or she needed to hear what he had to say. He knew that her life would be changed after they talked. You know what? It don't stop there. It's, it's no different today. He knows who's going to be here today. On, he man. knows who's, who's here tonight. He knows all of our secrets. He knows every word that was spoken last week. He knows every text that was sent last week. He knows everything we looked at. He knows who would be here tonight and who wouldn't be. He looked at her and he said, you are right. You don't have a husband, remember? You've had five husbands. He knows you. He knows you better than he knows or we know ourselves. Amen. God, you know, they say if you want us, you're the person that you look at in the mirror morning. That's who you really are, you know. We sometimes we put on a, uh, a different person when we go out. Come on. Who are we when we get up there and shave that face in the morning? But you know what? Jesus knows us that way. Amen. <clears throat> he said, you're right. He said, you know, the way you're living with now is not your husband. He knew that. You know, you're saying that Jesus, our blessed Jesus, our holy Jesus, knew about this woman in her past, and he went to Samaria anyway? Amen. He did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Uh, she discovered that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Son of God. There's no problem, no situation bigger than God. I needed that this week. Amen. There's Come no on. problem, no Amen. situation bigger than God. Amen. We have you, what have you given up on? What have you said? It's just too much, going too far, it can't be repaired, it can't be fixed. There's no problem bigger than God. And that's what she said, she discovered here. She discovered that all these years of my past, it's not too big for my God. It's not too big for this God. This woman said in verse 29, we'll skip down, I'll, I'll read it quickly, it said, 
Come see a man which told me all the things I ever done is not this the Christ. When she discovered this, she discovered Christ. She said, hey, this guy's told me everything I've ever done. Everything, you know, about my life. Verse 39, skip all the way down to the end. It says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified he told me all that I ever done. Not only did it affect that one woman, not only that one woman changed, but it says she went around and she testified to the whole city. The whole city pretty much changed their life about Jesus Christ. They accepted Christ as their Savior. They, they realized that you didn't have to have that temple in Jerusalem. They, did, they realized that there was more to it than just a, a Jew or a Samaritan. And guys, that's a gateway to us right here because you know what? What is not a Jew? Anything that is not a Jew is a Gentile. So everybody in here is Amen. Gentiles. Amen. Okay? Amen. So Samaritan or whatever, we're in the same category. Amen. We're in the same category. Verse 40, I read it. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. It said these people in the community, the Samaritans, come to him and said, Jesus, don't leave yet. Stay here with us. Tell us more, Jesus. Tell us more, Jesus. You know why Jesus changed his trial plans? He says, hey, if these people want to hear, I'm going to change my plans. <coughs> You know, the things that I wanted to do yesterday, tomorrow is not important. And he stayed there two more days with me. You know why that's the same Jesus today? He, you know, he'll change his plans. He'll spend time with you if you'll spend time, if you want to spend time with him. If you want to read your Bible, he'll spend time with you. If you want to pray, he'll spend time with you. If you want to just call on his name and sing and praise or whatever, he'll spend time with you. He's there for you. Sometimes when nobody else is there, sometimes we feel like they're Jesus is there. He'll spend time with you. She discovered those things. But again, now let's look at all the factors and elements that went on in the story. About this well right here. That seemed to be a focal point of the whole story. You know, Jesus come in. He was hot and thirsty. He sat down on a well, even though he didn't have a bucket or a rope. Okay? So let's look at the focal point right here. Uh, the elements of the story, look at the well. Where did it come from? Go back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Okay? There was a man called Jacob. And uh, in that same valley of Sikar, I may have said that wrong. But anyway, uh, there was a man called Jacob. And he said they, would be a, they wouldn't even be a well there if Jacob hadn't been faithful. Come on. You know, God came to Jacob and he said, Hey, I want you to dig me a well. I want you to dig me a well. It was a clear voice problem. And Jacob probably said, Well, okay, I'll start digging a well. It's easy just to start, you know, one point shovel, whatever, but, you know, after, after a little while, that, that time and well got tough, okay? You know, they might have hit some hard dirt. They might have uh, might got a little hot, and then they realized all the things that goes along with digging a well in a dry country. Well, you got to have, have water. you got to have food. you got to have support. you got to help some others. So then they got on their camels, and some of them went up on down to another well. They'd pack water back and bring it back, and... Uh, then the others would come around and they'd gather up rocks. And they would bring them over where Jacob was building that well and stack them up. You know, it wasn't a one-man show there. It was, a, it was more than just one man doing all that right there. Amen. And it said, you know, but Jesus told Jacob, build me a well. <clears throat> so when one day when they went in the well there, 
He said, Jacob might say why. He said, God spoke to Jacob and said, Dig me a well because someone is coming behind you that's laid in the drink in that well. Amen. You know what? You've got children and grandchildren that may in the drink from that well. You know, this has happened years and years and years and years and years later, and people would still drink that well. You know, you could go over today and you can still get a drink from that well. Amen. You can still get a drink from that well. Why? Because Jacob was faithful. He was faithful on what he done. So he was going to start. He, he started the day. He got his friends to have run water out. said they probably had to. I'm just ad living here. I don't know. But think about it. They want no other water around, so they had to get water somehow. So they got friends to go get water from other wells. They've got friends to get rocks and get her up and put close there. It took an effort to do that. All right, during this time here, you, you've probably seen Jacob down in there, and he's probably questioning God. He's probably scratching his head and said, God, you sure you want a well right here? There's a well just right on down the road there, about five miles. There's a well. There's a well. Are you sure that's what you want me to do, God? He was kind of grumbling inside. God, are you sure? Are you sure? You know, I got things to do. You got me down here mixing water. You got these people running down and getting water and getting rocks. You sure that's what you're going to do? But down, though did he know, but down the road, hundreds of years, the Lamb of God would come up and turn that well into a pulpit. Oh, he didn't know that. He didn't oh. know that. You know, but, and you know, not only would that village be saved, but you think about one and one and one. You take a light, a candle, and light it, light it, light it, light it. Before you know it, you got a whole big community right there. And that's what happened right here. Why? Because one man was faithful. Amen. One man was faithful right here. You know, uh, he, didn't, he didn't know that one day that tired man would walk up, sit down on that well, and then walking up that dusty road, is a tattered old woman, or I say old woman, tattered woman. You know, she had all these problems that we talk about. <clears throat> her life was a shambles. Uh, she felt like she had no hope. She felt like she had no future. Amen. She probably felt like, hey, I'll just kill myself in the middle of the night. I can't, I can't solve all my problems. And you know what? And our Jesus was that little well. That well that that one man was faithful about digging that well, okay? So, faithfulness is so important. You know, you say, well, how can I relate to this? Well, you know what I thought about? I thought about this church right here. Look at this big, beautiful sanctuary right here. Amen. You know, it didn't happen overnight just like that. You know, you can find a, uh, a rock outside there. I think it says something about 1973. You know what? God told a, a group of people nearly 50 years ago, said, hey, build a church. Amen. Build me a church. You know what, some of the people? Guess what? I'm sure they were just like Jacob sometimes. Sometimes they scratched their head. They said, Lord, you sure you want me to build a church? They ain't, there's another church right down the road. Amen. There's another church right up this road here. Amen. But God said, build me a church. You know, God, God's told these people, build me a church. You know what? We wouldn't have this right here if those people weren't faithful. Amen. Come on, come on. You know what? There's people sitting right here that wouldn't be saved right now. They Amen. Come on. Come on. You know, these girls up here, they bless my heart so much. They wouldn't be up here singing if people weren't faithful right. to the call of God. Realize that? You know what? And I went and talked to some of these people. There's five people here that's been here for almost 50 years. Brother Terry and Sheila and uh, Miss Clara. And then we uh, 
Steve and Clinton. And then, you know, we look at Miss Queen and Ramona that comes a few years later. You know, they've been through all the hard times, all the adversities, all the problems. But they're still here. They're faithful. Amen. They're faithful. You know, those those friends that help Jacob gather rocks and gather water? You know, that's these others. That's these others. You know what? Every one of these people, when I went and talked to them, you know, the, the first thing they said, you know, we had adversities, we had problems. You know, uh, when they when they wired the first church up, they wired it for electric meters. But in the first service, they said, you know, they didn't have a door on it. And they come in there, and it was around October, and it was cold. And I'm sure that if they had the heaters going at the time, they was going wide open. But then they couldn't afford the, the light bill because the heaters weren't heating enough. You know what? They, they put a wood burning stove in here, right? you know, fire to start a fire. Brother Terry get up here on Sunday morning before others get here to get some fire and got this place heated up. Why did he do that? He was thankful to what God called him to do. You know, Brother Steve and, and Brother Sister Clemmy, she's been faithful in what God told him to do. I think about Wayne so, so often. I live across the road from his prayer. And I know how faithful he was. You know, they said they'd come up here on Saturdays and afternoons. And I think Wayne is the one that poured the, you know, the foundation. And these other men, they'd come in here and they'd labor off. There's another man that Martin that helped lay block. And he, he hired his crew and brought them in here and laid those block for this wall structure. And uh, they was faithful. They would do it in the afternoons. They'd do it on Saturdays. Guess what? You know what the women would do? They'd bring them sandwiches up here. They was problems. They was adversities. You know, uh, numerous times they had stuff stolen. They had a well. That's pretty neat. We're talking about a well tonight. This church had a well. You know that? And the well pump kept getting stolen. You know, when they do the parsonage, they had stuff kept getting stolen. Kept getting stolen. Miss Clinton told me the story that she talked to Floxy Reynolds one time. Floxy said, Miss Clinton, you won't have no problem anymore. Said after that, no, nothing else got stolen. You know, God can use anybody. He can use anybody. I got off my notes, and I apologize for that, but uh, I want you to think about that right there. Thought of this church, the labor and sacrifice of somebody else. Thought about how all the things that Samaritan woman had discovered. Thought about how many of us have discovered some of those things, same things. Even to this day, you know, I told you, there's people drinking water from that well. And, you know, I told you this, this building, this structure started about 50 years ago. And it took a lot of time. It took a lot of work. But you know what else it took? It took a lot of praying. Amen. It took a lot of praying. When I first started coming to church right here, I sat back here back. And I seen one little hand go up, one weather hand, every Sunday morning. Pray for me and my family. Amen. And this way, you bless my heart. You bless my heart because she said, pray for me and my family. It took a lot of prayer. You know, she's rewarded. Look at her. She's got four generations sitting around her. She's got her great grandson that comes up here and falls in her face and prays. God, and calls his name out. Prayer is so important. Now, that is such a blessing to me. Brother, you know, Terry and us, Clara, Clinton, and Steve, Ramon, and all these people, you're a blessing to me because you have laid the rock. You, you know those rocks that were piled up? You laid some rock in your time. You've laid some rock. You know, I didn't stop there, but I was talking to these people. You know what it said? They said, they said, all these years with the trial and tribulation and struggle and up one hill and down the other, 
But you know, when we really started seeing something, when we started seeing something, when we started getting people in here that wanted to work, a few years ago when Brother Ashley came, and some others came, like Wynn and Buck, and, and Valerie and some of these others that wanted to work, you know, I can go, you know, all I can say right now is, y'all like some rock. But Buck, you like some rock in this church. When you've laid some rock back at home in this church. Will, you've laid some rock on Wednesday night back here with that youth. That was very instrumental. Valerie, you've laid some rock. You know that? You've laid some rock. Amen. Man, that's important. I look all around here. I see people. I might not call your name, but you've laid some rock. You've been faithful in what God called you to do. It, it didn't happen. I look back here at Robert. He had a, a lot to do with this right here. But you know what? He's laid some rock. And not just just uh, the structure of God. He's laid some rock. What did I say about Jacob? He said, hey, his children come, and his children's children. You know, years ago, by we'll be dead and gone. You know, this church is still big here. And the Holy Spirit can still come and sit down at this church just like he did at that well. And we may not know for hundreds and thousands of years. And somebody may come running up to me and says, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for laying it Thank you for providing it. Thank you for your prayers, Miss Queen. Thank you for that. Because this place was anointed through prayer and through people being faithful. Being faithful. You realize that we are living off somebody else's labor? Amen. You know, Miss Ramona is faithful every Sunday to get up here and plant it down. Sheila on the, on the organ. These, these uh, people I mentioned. You know, when they want 100 people, they had to do it all. You know, I, I know Brother Steve had jobs. I know uh, others had to work with the children. So, you know, I don't want to leave anybody out, but think about it. Every Sunday school teacher, every worker, every Wednesday night worker, every person in here has laid some rock. Every single person. Matthew, you laid some rock. Marty, you laid some rock. Guys, every one of you is laying some rock that we may not see later until a long time down the road. But you know, talk about laying rock, and actually touched on this just a little bit. There's a study, and I've tried to condense this as much as possible because I know there's a lot in this. But uh, when David got near the top there, he started laying some rock, and he had to find some special stones, okay? He had to find some special stones to put around the outside of that well. You know what those stones was called? They were called curb stones. And you know the purpose of a curb stone? is to divert that water to keep that well from getting plugged. You know what? You know, they've been some curb stones in, like in this church. We go back, Brother Gary Morris, Brother Ashley, men that's pastored this church, and y'all can name a bunch more probably, that has been a curb stone that's laid some rock to keep this place from getting polluted. You know, the runoff of the world, just the outside forces of this world can pollute it. It's important to have those curb stones. You say, well, does it have to be a preacher? Not necessarily. Some of these other men could be curved stones in that, in that figure that I'm trying to draw right there. You know what? We are living on somebody else's labor. We're living on somebody else's prayer. If thou knewest, if thou knewest what God got in store for you, if you'll just be faithful. Amen. If what God got in store for me, I'll just be faithful. Every person here, from Hayden, Will, Selena, Buck, Will, Terry, Sheila, I can go on and on and every one of you. There's a purpose for you being here. Amen. God knew that you'd be here tonight. 
He's got some rock ready for you to lay. Some of you are going to lay some rock. Some of you are going to lay more rock every day. Teenagers, when you get up here and study, if God be us, if God be us, just look at the light there. I mean, if thou be us, if thou be us. But I got a storm for you. You just keep being faithful. Amen. Keep loving God. Andrew, keep following the little face. Pray it. Don't ever be ashamed of that. You've got a good example there. Girls, keep raising your hand. Keep on. Y'all keep on being faithful. We keep that drama team going. Guys, don't let the circumstances be bigger than what you got going on. There's some purpose here for you. There's a need for you here. You know, there's no one here by accident. You're all important. Another thing, it'd be real easy to get comfortable right now. Come on. And go to sleep in this big old beautiful building. We've obtained, we've reached the mark, haven't we? Mm -hmm. We've reached what we've been striving to do for 47 years. Huh, Terry? It'd be easy to go to sleep. It'd be easy to get comfortable. It's not time for that. It's not time to quit. If thou knewest, don't stop working. Don't stop praying. If thou knewest, what I will do if I just keep playing rock. What God has in store for me if I just keep playing rock. You know, we're going to close here and we'll have two songs. The first song here, I don't want nobody leaving, okay? I want you to get up and obey God during this song. Now the second song, if some women want to go back here, I think Ashley said, hey, we come up and play on the second song. So I don't know if we started by surprise, but if you if you will go ahead and start that first song. You've got an opportunity right now. You know, I'm not a preacher, I'm not asking you to come and bear out your heart, okay? But I am asking you this right here. If somebody did something for you, meant something to you, if this place means something to you, this is an opportunity right now. Y'all stand to your feet. And hear this song that says thank you. If somebody did something to you, go to that person and tell them thank you. Thank you for laying rock. Thank you for being faithful.